Alvin, did you attack him? Alvin Charles led away from the 73rd Precinct in Brownsville tonight in handcuffs, charged with murdering a man on board an L train at the Atlantic Avenue subway station last Friday. Police say Charles slashed 43-year-old Tommy Bailey in the neck during a dispute and then fled. Bailey was pronounced dead at Brookdale Hospital. Good, quiet guy, man. I've never seen that in him. I mean, no, I never knew about him having any um, altercation before. So it's like shocking to me to hear this. Omari Barnett was friends with Bailey and told PIX11 he was a father of two, working as a steam fitter at LaGuardia Airport. Bailey's death now marks the sixth so far this year on the subway. Transit crime is up almost 42% this year compared to last, with more than 1,700 violent subway incidents in 2022. Since Bailey's attack, the violence has continued. A 31-year-old was stabbed in the leg Tuesday evening during an argument near the shuttle in the Times Square station. And on Monday, a 25-year-old rider was pushed onto the tracks at Union Square, splitting open his forehead in an apparent unprovoked attack. 36-year-old Clarence Anderson of the Bronx is now charged with his assault. The transit advocacy group Passengers United is calling for police patrols on every subway train after 9 p.m. Governor, these are master manipulators. They have this conspiracy going all across America to try and convince people that in Democratic states they're not as safe. Well, guess what? They're also not only election deniers, they're data deniers. The data shows that shootings and murders are down in our state by 15 percent, even in New York City, down 20 percent on Long Island, where Lee Zeldin comes from. I did not say and nor do I believe in defunding the police. He is lying again. And I've never said that I believe in defunding the police. So, yes, to some defunding. We have to reallocate resources. So, yes. Can you look me in the face and tell me that government expenditures on green energy subsidies through the Inflation Reduction Act that increase our national debt are in any way lessening my burden at the gas station and the grocery store. I, I could not say that right now in the present moment. You voted against fracking in the past on federal lands, and, and you, you said you wanted it banned. So now the president is saying that he wants to tax energy companies, a windfall tax because of the profits that they've made. So the same kind of thing that you're arguing with green energy, that you have to make that investment now. Why not make that investment in making us energy independent? Because right now, uh, we are far from it. I'm a thousand. <laughs> I'm a thousand percent for that. A thousand percent. I'm just saying you can't we, I don't, we don't want to do fracking on federal lands. I'd like to do it wherever else we can do it in an environmentally conscious way. That's what I call inflation. The end of the month, what you have left, you have no money. That's inflation. What's what do you the things you need? Are they going up? <laughs> and they are. They are. But all Republicans voted against when they opposed the Inflation Act. Our inflation is not going up due to government policies. Inflation is going up due to Wall Street decisions. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 107 here on Wednesday, November 2nd. Just six days out, Mr. McKenna, and we're getting sound economic advice from AOC it's them greedy Wall Streeters that are causing all the inflation. Did you know that? 
I didn't. And, you know, the good news is they all live in her district, so I'm sure they're going to be excited <laughs> about voting for her again. And, of course, Joe Biden finally admitted. About inflation. Oh, that's the Inflation Act? That, that it's the Inflation, the inflation Act, Act that all the Republicans no, voted Republicans. against? All the Republicans voted against the Inflation Act. <laughs> and, Please. And, and knows what inflation is and admitted that it's happening you all know. in the span of one speech. If there's a God in heaven, and I think there is, <laughs> Joe Biden's going to run for president just so we can have the content. The rest okay. of it I don't care about. So Tim Ryan uh, spoke some truth about the fact that the green energy subsidies in the Inflation Act aren't going to do anything. Aren't going to do anything. He's got a kind of a little girly voice. But you know what was interesting? I played the fracking one because he said, I'm just not for fracking on federal lands. Yeah. We can drill the hell out of the a, rest of the a, of the country, but just a, not on federal. It's land. an incredibly, like, it's incredibly bold answer. Nice right? weaselly, seriously. You know, I want to be. I, it's a Mitt Romney answer. I want to be against half this, so I'm going to be against that half. It. I mean, you know, the interesting thing about it is Ohio is ready to be the next Pennsylvania. They are ready to make a bunch of money at this, and 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 all these landowners are like, "Why are you getting in my way?" So right. I'm really excited because I well, think the next 10 years in Ohio are going to be like a boom. They're going to be and big. And you know that. That's the uh, Utica, right? Yeah, that's right. And you know what else is – where else the Utica is located, right? What do you have part, in mind? Part of New York or is that the Marcellus? Uh, is that the Marcellus? I think the Utica is up in New York too, but yeah. it might be the Marcellus. Yeah, the So no, you too. got Ohio, you know, getting – getting uh, in in on the act in a more significant way. Yeah. You got Pennsylvania. Yeah. You know, you might have a good night here on Tuesday. Yeah. You could be able to reverse some of these executive bans uh, on fracking. I'm sorry. Yeah, I wasn't following where you are going. Yeah, the Lee Zeldin thing in New York. So, that would be, if they yeah, could, no. I mean, you you, under, you understand, I keep forgetting, you're a native too, right? You understand what's going on in those southern three counties, right? That it, these are all vacation homes for New Yorkers, New York City people. And they don't want to see drill pads anywhere near their vacation homes. But for the people who live there... Right. This is an important thing, right? right? Okay. And then the other one, another, which is actually very disturbing. New Yorkers, is ladies and gentlemen. The governor, you, you heard the stats in the clip on the subway stuff, right? Yes, I did. And then she turned around and called Republicans data deniers about, about what's going on in the state. Yeah. On MSNBC, of course, with the Reverend Al. Well, so. I, you know, but here's the thing. And, and this, I don't. I don't quite understand what goes on in the head of these guys. It's not – it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether crime is going up or going down. What matters is is that the randomness of crime is going up. Which creates the anxiety about crime. And, and it turns out that when you're scared, almost nothing else matters. You don't want to be scared anymore. Right. And let me say a couple of other anecdotal things. I was doing some research – uh, and I stumbled on a Twitter uh, page handle that, that just is just documenting some of the horrific stuff that's happening on the streets of Los Angeles yeah. and San Francisco. Yeah. And I'm walking from the metro to the AEA studios, and there is a tent city now in McPherson Square that rivals the Occupy Wall Street crowd. But then, of course, that was back when... Uh, after before he knew better. Well, but that they all were wearing like you know Patagonias and tapping on their yeah, phones just and the usual you know, camping days. out, right? Yeah, these yeah. are legit like 
uh, you know, homeless dude. And we'll get into the we'll get into that a, a little bit later in the episode. But like, that's the point. It's everywhere. It's right on the way to the metro this morning at seven a.m. I got a contact high. Let me let me um let me throw a thought out there that I've had for uh for for about a year now um since I started to come back into the district. Um, not the legalization of marijuana, but the legalization of its public use, its use in public, leads to an air of lawlessness. And if you think about this crime stuff, it's both randomness and this the sense of lawlessness. It's the same thing with the 10th City of McPherson Square. Normal people hesitate before they walk across that square. They just do, right? So I don't get why the Democrats don't get it. I especially don't get it given that one of their own was a victim of random crime just last week. Uh, a few of them have actually. Well, I, would, I mean, Paul Pelosi, the lady, right? the lady running for mayor in L.A. Yeah, got held up. An yeah. anti-gunner. Yeah, carjacked. Right. Yeah. So and Paul Pelosi, right? Somebody walked into a Pacific Heights house and started hitting with a hammer. I think. Yeah, that whole thing. So you know, you want to talk about random crime? Talk about coming home. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so any announcements this week? Sir, yeah, I'm deeply skeptical that Paul Pelosi thing was random. But that's anyway, your announcement. That's my announcement. <laughs> I just wanted to get that out there because I it always like, happen right around the election. It always is. I don't know if the it's timing the people is... like people. Uh, oh, of course, we're not conspiracy theorists. We're not conspiracy. People theorists. always is it because of the election that people always do random weird crap before the election, or is it like something else? Uh, Who knows? I will. I will. I will. Um... All I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. All I want to do is I want to have the videos from the home security videos released, and I want to have the tape of the 911 call. Transparency. Because this is all we want, people. The fundamental question in my mind, and I suspect in a prosecutor's mind is, did uh, Mr. Pelosi know this man or not? Transparency. Right? It's all we're asking for, did he know him? and gentlemen. It, it certainly seems like he knew him just from the circumstantial evidence, but he may not have. Who knows? I'm a big believer in the legal system. Let's have some of it and get on with yeah, it. Yeah, I have one announcement real quick. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, Brian Klippenstein, our good friend and, um, and uh, um, our muse here on the podcast, um, wanted us to run the clip of Todd Bowles every week. I I said we might run it every once in a while was the, was the commitment i was or send us a new send us some from someone else I mean, it, it, I found, it, we were in morgan uh, freeman last morgan freeman yeah, yeah, so yeah. same i'm happy to go down that that road yeah yeah, yeah. so so am i anyway that's it for me okay i have a couple uh, looking forward to dinner this year's annual christmas dinner with hillary thank you very much for putting it together and i'm looking forward to a very constructive couple of days at the cosmos club <laughs> With Lou and Eprink to discuss pressing energy matters of the day. Yeah, I wasn't invited. Yeah, I think you were. I think you were. I think you need RSVP. All right, this day in history. Uh-oh. Yeah. <clears throat> 1777. Uh, what day is today? November 2nd? 1777? 17. France recognizes the United States. No, sir. Uh, but you probably wouldn't have guessed. This is a little obscure. John Paul Jones sets sail. On the USS Ranger with a crew of 140 men leaving Portsmouth, New Hampshire for the naval port of Brest, France, where it will stop before heading toward the Irish Sea to begin raids on British warships. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm... The first mission of its kind during the Revolutionary War. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna just gonna lay this out right here. Um, there, John Paul Jones has got himself some great press. 
but the reality is Commodore Barry invented the United States Navy. Okay. And that's a that's an uncomfortable fact for lots of people who don't like Irishmen, but it's the truth. <laughs> and where was Commodore Barry from? Virginia? Ireland. Oh, okay. Just checking. He had the misfortune of being an Irish Catholic, so you don't really mention him a lot in American well, history. Uh, John Paul Jones was, I think, of Scottish descent. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. He, so, was, he was one of the losers who surrendered to England. Considered the father of the American Navy. He's not considered the father of Along the American Navy. Along with fellow Revolutionary War hero Commodore John Barry. I'm sorry. Go to the Naval Academy. John Barry is like, <laughs> recognized as the father of the Navy. So, long story short, he I have had a problem. good PR. I have a problem with Abe Lincoln. Guy. I have a problem with John Paul yeah, Jones. You're going to get into this with Mike. Let's keep going. 1947, on this day in history, 1947. NATO was formed. No. Damn it. This was the day that Howard Hughes uh, the Spruce flew Goose. the Spruce Goose, at the time the largest aircraft ever built, piloted and built, first and only flight, built with laminated birch and spruce, hence the name. The massive wooden aircraft had a wingspan longer than a football field and was designed to carry more than 700 men to battle. Yeah. Uh, you the know, Spruce Goose. Uh, it's some, okay, can we just d- d- divert first one sentence? Okay, one just, second. Are you going to trash Howard Hughes too? No, okay, no, thank you. No, what I'm going to say is <laughs> what I'm going to say is is that um Howard Hughes is a is a towering figure of American accomplishment oh, yeah. in the 20th century. It's you hell know, yeah. there is no you know, when that movie came out, whatever it was, 15 it was years Leo. ago, I, I, he did I a pretty good job. watched it. So did I. Yeah. He did a pretty good job. How do you capture a guy like that in, yeah, on, he, on film? My kids were like, you know, who is this guy? I'm like, well, I'm like, try to imagine if Elon Musk was, you know, a movie producer who dated movie stars. Yeah. That, you know. And, and he has. Amber Heard. Really, movie stars. <laughs> Like, you know, Rita Hayworth, people like that. People are actually recognized as movie stars, not B-level people. <laughs> so, you know, I'm like, the guy for 50 years um, was was probably the most famous American outside of John Wayne and whoever the president was at the time. It, 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 an enormously accomplished person. Absolutely. Um, helped us win um, World War II and probably the Cold War. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I, and just, TWA and... He broke the monopoly, the Pan Am monopoly. Great. There's a great scene where he goes after that senator from Maine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It's a great movie. I actually recommend the film. So do I. It's just a remarkable life, right? Spruce Goose. And the film tried to capture some of the remarkableness. Spruce Goose is now housed at the Evergreen Aviation Museum in McMinnville, Oregon. It was in the uh, harbor. uh, In Long Beach. Long Beach Harbor for the longest time. I guess they moved it. So. Well, you know. One year later, sir, 1948, one year later. The Berlin airlift is lifted. No. Darn, I'm over for three today, you man. You are. In one of the greatest upsets in presidential election history. Obviously, it wasn't an upset since we don't know. Democrat incumbent. Harry S. Truman defeats his Republican challenger, Governor Thomas E. Dewey of New York. Who bears a striking resemblance to Mitt Romney. Yes, both and, and, both, both and facially so, and otherwise. Folks, uh, you know, this is, of course, the famous New York Times headline where uh, Dewey defeats Truman. But it, it just goes to show you that uh, polling was wrong back then, too. So. Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that sideswipe. <laughs> All right. <sighs> Topics. Where are we going? You first. All right. I've got one. Actually, you you gave it to me. Yes. Um, 
This is from Utility Dive. Yeah, you did. What, what? Eversource CEO seeks emergency uh, order by Biden to ensure gas supplies as New England winter approaches. Yeah. Steven Singer is the reporter. Yeah. Uh, the CEO has asked Biden to suspend a century-old maritime law. The Jones Which Act. we all know and hate. Right, Jones Alex. Act. Right, producer. Well, Alex is in favor of the Jones Act. No, he's the he's our main. Uh, he's a Michigander. He's fiercely opposed the to the Jones he Act. He doesn't care. Uh, and consider other measures to boost energy supplies in New England in the event of a colder than normal winter and natural gas shortage. "Quote: I write to you today to ask for your administration's leadership again to swiftly address the growing concerns about winter electric reliability in New England." Yeah, um, in an October twenty-seven letter. It, it was a remarkable letter, and made made more so by the fact that a it's not that it's not that Eversource can't afford the gas; it's that they would have trouble. They will have trouble getting it into Boston Harbor, Everett, actually, in Everett, because all the tankers are committed going to Europe. If you if you have an LNG tanker, you are you are sending it to Europe full of full of LNG. You're not sending it to Boston. For Boston to compete, they're going to have to pay top dollar, and that's going to mean to Boston. Yeah. Find my leg. It's it's um, it's a natural consequence of two things, right? The inability of New England to build pipelines, and the inability of the Europeans to get their mm-hmm. own energy. And they're able, they're choosing not to. I said, okay, I'm sorry, inability, unwillingness. Sorry. Unwillingness. Thank you for that. Thank edit. You True. Much. Um, you. you know the other thing you got to know about this. The reason why I gave it to you is um. This has been a game that that New England has been playing now for about five years. It's just a matter of time until something really bad happens up there one winter, and and um, yeah, and California's on the verge. Yeah, it's of, just of a, a, same a as California. Just a matter. Of, In spite of uh, Governor Gavin's braggadociousness about keeping the lights on this summer, I think we're going to start calling. And him Texas, Texas too. is iffy too. Thank Texas you. is iffy too. Thank you, Rick Perry. Thank you. Thank you. No, 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 not thank you, Rick Perry. Damn you, Rick Perry. I'm going to so. say thank you, Rick Perry. You know, you, 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 Mr. Krez, I'm calling Mr. Krez. I think from now we're going to call Governor Newsom Governor Getty. <laughs> Since he got his money from the Getty family. Governor Getty. Governor Getty. All right, here's another one. It, it was remarkable. Before we leave the Eversource thing, oh, Yeah, yeah, please. The most remarkable thing. I mean, you basically have a, you basically have a CEO saying, hey, I'm in trouble here. You got to bail me out. Yeah. Well, I mean- I wish you would have taken the other step to say sure. why we got sure. into this problem in the well, first place. You know, but, you know, converts, not heretics, right? Okay, fair enough. I guess it's just been the running theme these last few episodes. Okay, this is from the editorial board of the Wall Street Journal, uh, and it succinctly encapsulizes the ridiculousness of the Biden administration. When it comes <laughs> to energy, Biden goes from bad to worse with a windfall profits tax on oil. Sorry, rhetorical question. Their profits are a windfall of war. The windfall from the brutal conflict that's ravaging Ukraine and hurting. T- I'm actually articulating quite nicely, no, so I'm not doing a very good you're Biden. You're emoting. You're doing fine. You're emoting. <laughs> and hurting tens of millions of people around the globe. Okay. That's a lie. Yes, it is. I just wanted to point yes, that out is. before we went on. That's a lie. Of that's, course. That's a complete and utter lie. There's a, as much Russian crude. In fact, there's more Russian crude in the system now than there was before the war. Yeah. And so, the reality is that their profits owe more to his administration's war on fossil correct. fuels than Vladimir Putin's Ukraine invasion. Oil prices surged at the start of the war amid uncertainty about the impact of Western sanctions on uh, Russian supply. But prices have moderated as China and India continue to buy. 
Russian crude at a discount while markets have downgraded global economic, economic forecasts and mid-central blah, 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 tightening. Okay. Oil, here's another quote from the president. Oil companies' record profits today are not because they're doing something new or innovative. Okay. It, it, no, it's because it's because they have assets that are absolutely needed in a time of scarcity. Um, it, it It's, go ahead. Go ahead. You keep going. Just There's going to be an editorial in the Washington Times here in the next day or so that's going to lay all this out, but I'll make it simple. Um, the problem is we have an imbalance between demand and supply, and the reason why we have that imbalance is because for most of the last eight years, guys like President Biden and his friends have been systematically underinvesting in oil and right. gas. Right, and, and it was a pause that. for four years under the previous administration, mm. and I just talked to a reporter today in Wyoming. And, and we chatted about this. Why didn't any of these like mixed messages happen under Obama, right? Where on the one hand, they're saying- Because nobody believed it with Obama. Well, what, well, the other thing is, is that the prices, it was the beginning of this. Yeah, that's right. Right? We did not have the big battles. We didn't that's have right. the big controversies over pipelines. They laid all that foundation down. And now this is the result. Well, it's not even the fights over pipelines so much. It's, it's, it's that- Capital has, for the last eight years, capital has flowed away from oil right. projects. And several reasons, as we've talked about. Several, but mostly net zero and backed up by you know a weaponized set of financial regulations. Shutting down ESG. federal yeah, lands yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah, yeah. this ESG garbage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And, and so, so here's my big theory, and I think this editorial is going to say this. Um, I don't know, obviously. But um, Team Biden wants the high prices. They just don't want to be blamed for them. Of course. Well, you say of course, but nobody said that, and the Wall Street Journal doesn't even say that. We need some. They, they have said that the only way this works is if, if, of course. if this stuff is the profitable, as as yeah. Obama has said in two State of the Unions, so that renewable energy or clean energy is the profitable kind. Can of be energy. competitive. Yeah. I'm all I'm saying to you is this: is that me, you, and the Wall Street Journal, and all our friends. Yeah, we need to get more direct. We talk past That's people. Right. We just yeah. need to Fair. start saying stuff. Look, Fair assessment. This, this, these high prices, Biden wants them high. Fair. He just doesn't want to be blamed That's for them right. to be high. And he wants them to be high after the midterms. He's a, he's a, he's okay. a, he's so, a, whatever. <laughs> can't even finish I don't that think he's going to be invited to any like economic summits anytime soon because Larry Summers again uh, oh, with boy. a zinger. <laughs> this is from yesterday. Uh, I'm not sure I understand the argument for a windfall profits tax on energy companies. Is Larry? Yeah. Yeah. If you reduce profitability, you will discourage investment, which is the opposite of the objective. If it's a fair, this is good. There's a correlate. If it's a fairness argument, I don't quite follow the logic since even with the windfalls, Exxon has underperformed the overall market over the last five years, right? And then Cap Action did a did a uh, a tweet with all the profits that mm, they've had. Yeah. I'm gonna ask our team to do a similar uh, graphic with all of the losses, the billions in losses sure. that happened in 20 and 2021. And I'm gonna, I'm wondering why the the uh, the politicians didn't clamor to give them bailouts relief. and subsidies and yeah. relief, it, right? It's, it's um. So listen, folks. The election is next Tuesday. Do your thing. Do your thing. Just don't listen. This is bol this is all BS. Do your thing. The, 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 I'm not a bit. I'm not like a, 
people know I'm not like a, sh- a mouthpiece for big oil, right? I have been critical of them on carbon taxes, on many issues. On this, this is just flat out, as Mike likes to say, that's a lie. It's just a lie. I mean, I'm like, what the hell? I'm, I'm good with propaganda, but when it crosses the line, I just got to call the guy out. All right. And, and along those lines. Um, I mean, hell, in the next regime, I'm going to be the minister update, of propaganda. Update. Let's have it. The American Energy Alliance has updated oh, yeah, the, the number list. of ways yeah, that the Biden administration <laughs> has sought to tank oil and gas production in this wonderful country of ours. And guess what the number is? We're north of 10 dozen. 125. There we go. Just the right, just the right amount of eggs for just breakfast. To be, just to be clear, and Congress. So the Biden administration and Congress. It's not well, solely yeah, the no, Biden administration. I, I appreciate that. Thanks. So, so it's we're going to put that in the show notes. To four. Uh, take that with you to the polling places, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Also take the American Energy Alliance scorecard and find out who how your representative votes on affordable and reliable energy. Any other energy news for you? I got one more quick one. I thought this was interesting. Lay it on me. All right, so this uh, Bloomberg has these rundowns, and uh, this I thought this was interesting. This is from this morning. Lawmakers already snubbed a plan to fast-track the Mountain Valley Pipeline's approval in September, but that's not stopping the developer of the troubled $6.6 billion project to pressing Congress to pass energy permitting changes to ensure the pipeline gets built. Legislation is needed to keep the pipeline project on schedule and within current budget, Equitrans midstream CEO Thomas Karam said Tuesday. Blah, 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 so on and so forth. totally wrong. Who the hell is telling him that? (laughs) That's completely wrong. The problem here is the Army Corps of Engineers. What's wrong with these people? So anyway, I just thought it was interesting because I seem to recall that the chip guy's yeah, really needed a bunch of federal money in order to build plants here in this country, and this and the, the Congress bent over backwards to to hand it to them. So I guess there's no equal treatment here for what? for pipeline MVP. Companies. There probably shouldn't be, to be honest with you. Those guys. Oh, I agree. I don't. Those I guys don't are think nine. Ships should have the mo- the, no, the money either. Ships shouldn't have the money. These pipeline guys. did nine nine cases are hopeless. I mean, if they had decent lobbyists, this thing would be solved. I don't say that any nicer. This is not complicated stuff, ladies and gentlemen. Hire Mike McKenna. I don't, if you know what, if you can't find me, or if I don't want to do your, if I don't want to do your chores, hire somebody else who's competent. But you literally do not have to get like sixty senators to agree. All you need to do is get two guys in the Army Corps of Engineers to agree. Yeah, that is very. Which true. is easier? That is very true. Jeez, a mighty. All right, I got a scoop. My God, is it going to be as bad as the last one? I got a scoop. Let's have it. Hot off the presses. Breaking news. This is from Axios. Oh, boy. Special envoy. Oh, man. John Kerry is actively considering leaving the Biden administration after next month's COP27 summit in Egypt. Don't don't hesitate, John. Do it. Soliciting (laughs) advice from friends and colleagues. He has no friends. I can't On how to stay involved in climate efforts from the private sector. I have an idea. Oh, brother. He starts a nonprofit that... John Podesta gives him, uh, you know, a couple hundred million of the Inflation Reduction Act grants. Let me give you that were that he's now in charge of doling out some of the the slush fund money. Let me give you a different idea. He could maybe sell his his yachts and his planes and maybe one or two of his houses. (laughs) 
How about that? That'd minimize some carbon footprinting, wouldn't it? Uh, and here's a quote from the administration. <laughs> no, from Kerry spokesperson. Here's a quote from the administration. Does that guy still work here? I, I thought can't he left. stress enough. Secretary Kerry has no plans to depart, and his sole focus is COP27, period. Anything else is baseless speculation. Okay, so it goes on and on and on. Yeah, 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 All yeah. right. So we don't I don't want him to leave the administration no, man. because he's, I think he's powerfully effective as the climate envoy. It's like a content um, generator for us. <laughs> here's a perfect example. Right before the election, Ford Motor Company and General Motors and other companies around the world have spent hundreds of billions of dollars retooling their plants. Why? Because they're going electric. And by 2035, that's all we're going to have in America. Electric cars being manufactured, not on the road, but being sold in, in new cars. That's President Biden's goal. By 2035, he wants the power sector of America to be carbon free. So if we accelerate these efforts, which is what technology and entrepreneurial activity help us to do, uh, this is going to change even faster. And, and so that's where I draw enormous hope and, and some optimism, because I believe we can still make this happen. But we have to make the right decisions and implement those decisions. All right, take this one apart, my uh, friend. Start with the billions, uh, hundreds of billions of dollars you know that the auto companies have to, invested. To, I want to talk to all the people on the other side who, who transcribe this stuff so we can get in trouble later on. Um, your friends are not terribly bright. Hundreds of billions of dollars. Hey, dumb, dumb. There's about 25 or $30 billion now that have been spoken for between Ford and GM on retooling their plants. For those of you keeping score, that's about three years worth of capital investment on the part of those companies. So to say that they've made some huge bet is completely inaccurate. The only person who's made a huge bet here is Mary Barra, who has stapled herself to Team Biden. Yes, um, in a, in I'm a, looking forward to those hearings. By the way, when she gets invited on down to the hill, yeah. Um, well, let's remind so folks that she hired Biden's niece, yeah, to be their sustainability director. Yeah. So she was the face of the inflate now now appropriately named Inflation the, Act. Inflation Act. And we have heard on uh, uh, numerous occasions that it doesn't matter what the courts decide. It, that she will still, yeah, she'll do her thing. Toe the line with the administration so, so, on the, on EVs. So that's so. one, right? Let's let's just talk about math for a second, because you know I'm, I'm so tired of this 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 fact free conversation where these old blowhards get up and talk. Here's the bottom line: if you're going to have a completely electric vehicle fleet, even just new sales by 2035, you're going to need about five times as much electricity as you have now. Plus, you're going to need about three times as much transmission, and you're going to need about. Of what, 15 times more uh, minerals? Yeah, I can't go oh, much more than that. Like, like that's going to get denominated in thir multiples of 30 and 40 and 60. Okay. Anyway, so long story short is somebody's going to have to come up with five times the generation we have now and three times the transmission. And that's all going to have to happen in the next As we years. decarbonize, it, as we get rid of the, the sources and the latest just, numbers, Mike, just to, for, uh, for data. 60% of our electricity comes from yeah, three sources. Yeah, natural gas, nuclear, and coal, I assume. Well, 60% come from natural gas and coal. And coal, yeah. Nuclear is another 20%. 80% okay. of our total energy comes from, from three sources. Throw oil in there. Yes. Yeah. So 
like I said, to everybody on the other side who transcribes this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna encourage you very strongly to think about your life, because you are being led by people who have not the faintest command of mathematics, not the faintest. They can't even work addition. Are you saying that they're data deniers? <laughs> you can't be saying that they're data deniers. Had Come thought on. about that, John Kerry, data denier. Maybe that's what he's going to do after he leaves the administration. I, like I do like that. That's got a good ring to it. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sometimes this stuff just these people talk hundreds of billions of dollars. I'm like, that's just flat out wrong. It's not right. Absolutely. All right. Um, any more energy? I'm all tuckered out. Uh, I'm going to move on to something a little different. Uh-oh. For the American I don't think I like that. Energy Alliance slash Washington Times unregulated <laughs> podcast. Yeah, what are we gonna There's do? a little jag from CNN that I picked up. A glass of wine or a beer after work is a pretty common way for people to unwind. A new study just published, though, might make you think twice about pouring yourself that second drink. Joining us now, seeing a medical correspondent, Dr. Tara Darula, you Good have morning. said... Wait, 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 wait. What? 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 Wait, what? <laughs> this is not what you want to hear, right? Do you know how stressful people's lives are now? Yeah. Yes. Well, for thousands, the there are thousands of centuries, we've been consuming what the Greeks called the nectar of the gods. But that nectar may have problems when drunk in excess. So what we know is that excessive alcohol use is associated with increased morbidity and mortality. In fact, it is a leading preventable cause of premature death. And death rates for alcohol-attributable causes have been going up for the past decade. So researchers here looked at alcohol consumption from 2015 to 2019 in U.S. adults, and they found that one in eight deaths in those 20 to 64 were attributable to alcohol, excessive alcohol, okay? One in five deaths in those 20 to 49 were also attributable to excessive alcohol consumption. And it was higher in men than women. It varied across states, so highest uh, in New Mexico, lowest in Mississippi. In general, the Southeast had lower rates and the West, Upper Midwest, New England, higher rates. Um, And when we're talking about what are these causes, so we're talking about poisonings, motor vehicle accidents. By poisoning, we mean substance use with with alcohol, motor vehicle accidents, um, and alcohol-related liver disease. We're we're all going to die. I'm just going to kill myself. We are all (laughs) going to die. They said one drink a night. How in the world? The good doctor finished with one drink a night. How in the world could somebody with an MD use the phrase preventable deaths? Okay, first off, Ladies and gentlemen, I'm very sorry to be the first one apparently to say this on any kind of media in the United States, but everyone listening to my voice now is going to die. There is no such thing as a preventable death. I assume what she meant is a premature from expected death. In other words, you die before. Right. You don't hit the actuarial number. Before right? the actuarial exactly. thing, you're going to die. Yeah. So, so anyway, the idea that alcohol is responsible for one in eight deaths in any age cohort that is not a bunch of alcoholics cannot possibly be correct. It, well, it, that it gives me great right. that gives me great relief, sir, because there is no way I'm drinking one bourbon and ginger an, an evening. I'm sorry. I just swear, cannot you be know, done. John Kerry must have done this study. <laughs> Data deniers awful of the world unites. Awful. Everybody go back to school and take a statistics class. All right. How many drinks a night do you have? Me? Yeah. yeah like twice a month, maybe. I One, know, you yeah. have two You're drinks a live month. a lot longer than me. I can feel it. I'm probably going to be dead by the end of this show at the rate I'm going. <laughs> okay. Here's some. <laughs> going to stroke out right here. Here's a fun one. Yeah. This happened today in the new Elon Twitter world. Oh, boy. The White House this morning. Oh, yeah. I saw it. Sent. 
a tweet <laughs> that said the following. Seniors are getting the biggest increase in their Social Security checks in 10 years through President Biden's leadership. True. They pulled the tweet. Of course they did. Why? Because it had no context. They because had to do the, it by law. No, no, no. It's a, you, it's a cola no, adjustment. No, let me give you their, 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 oh, stated, why they pull it? their stated reason why they pulled the oh, tweet. Oh, they gave you a reason why they pulled she, it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the press secretary was asked the question, why did they pull the tweet? And this was her answer. Thanks, Green. Um, the White House removed a tweet that talked about the increase in Social Security benefits in 2023, uh, quote, through President Biden's leadership. There was a, a contextual note, I'm not sure what the proper terminology is for the uh, platform, that was added to that. Was it removed because of the addition of a note, or was it removed because of a concern about the so it was I, look the tweet was not complete usually when we put out a tweet uh, we posted with context and it did not have that context uh, so in the past we've pointed out that for the first time in our in over a decade seniors uh, Medicare premiums will will decrease even as their social uh, security checks increase that's a little bit of context that was not included this means that seniors will have a chance to get ahead of inflation due to the rare combination of rising benefits and falling premiums and and let's not forget as as you've been hearing me say for the past few minutes about MAGA republicans in congress and their continued threat uh to, to threaten social security and medicare proposing uh proposing to them on the chop proposing to put them on the chopping blocks it went on for another 15 seconds, but oh let God. me Thanks let me remind your list our listeners that Twitter has a 280 character limit. <laughs> so to, to be able to put everything she just said into proper context would have required her, her to explain the Medicare reduction in premium and the fact that the mega mega Republicans in Congress are continuing to threat both Medicare and Social Security. So the real reason that they pulled the tweet was because Twitter is now fact checking the White House. Well, and the White House uh, uh, and Twitter's Twitter allowed. put the context as follows. Seniors will receive a large Social Security benefit increase due to the annual cost of living adjustment which is based on the inflation rate, President Nixon in 1972 signed into law automatic benefit adjustments tied to the CPI. Yep. So. Simple, simple. Everybody knows it. I, everybody... Dick Durbin was also fact-checked today. I thought, I, I haven't checked to see whether he pulled his tweet out. On what? I have Something vague about memories. speech. Yeah, well, you know. But the point is, is now all of a sudden. Twitter will be done. Twitter, Twitter, <laughs> Twitter, Twitter will be done in six months. Uh, they're gonna. They're not. They can't. The, the other side can't tolerate this for too long. They're gonna do something about it. The White House pulled. The White House pulled their. Tweet. I'm telling you, it's amazing. They're gonna come after. They're gonna come after Musk. They're gonna come after Twitter. They're gonna try to unravel the deal. Something. Something's gonna happen. They. It, they're a week in and already they're starting to pull their hair out. Just like, can't. Can't survive like this. All I'm right. looking forward to it. Okay, right, this is from CNN. Yes. This is, this is dated today. This morning. Guess who's back? Back again. BB's back. Oh, Fred. Netanyahu on course to lead Israel's most right-wing government ever. Let's hope so. Partial Israel results suggest. Benjamin Netanyahu appears to be on course for a bigger victory in Israel's fifth election in less than four years than initial exit polls suggested. 
His Likud party and its natural allies are currently projected to win 65 seats in the 120-seat Knesset, with 86% of the votes counted as of Wednesday afternoon real time. This guy... Yeah, he won't die. He will not die. It's amazing. Um, can I can I can I put some context you can on this? Put any I want to put some context on, on it that you want. I rarely watch Jeopardy, but I was watching Jeopardy the other night, and the category was um, foreign legislative bodies or foreign assemblies or something like that, right? And all it did was it gave you two letters in each of the ones, right? Two vowels for each one, right? And you had a guess um, of the ten. Of the ten in the of the ten entries in the category, uh huh. Literally, no one got any of them. None of them. None of them. And they like it was like it was like the German Bundestag, and the Israel. The reason I remember is because because I brought up the Knesset. Knesset was one of them, right? The Knesset, yeah. like a Knish. Um, Knesset was one of them. The Japanese Diet was one of them, and it gave like historical clues, like hey, this this you know this country is blah blah blah. Anyway, long story short is I have never been prouder to be an American. Because <laughs> nobody knew anything about nobody anybody made, else's government. Because nobody, nobody, oh, you know, there's our smart guys, and we're just like, you know what? I don't really care about any of this well, stuff. Well, I just, I, I get it. Netanyahu was around in the Clinton. Was he around in Bush? He was. The guy's been around. No, for no, Bush won. No, I think he no. He started in the Clinton I think administration, right, yeah. right? So yeah. Benjamin Netanyahu has been. I don't. In and out of the uh, prime ministership of Israel since it, Clinton was president. It, it, he's, he should, it should be an Italian government. And he looks the same. It should, well, of course he does. It should be an Italian government at this point. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to take this opportunity to remind everybody who's wondering, I don't care. <laughs> Bibi's back, baby. About he's back with a vengeance. Again. Nobody, okay. nobody could nobody could identify the Israeli Knesset. Do you have anything? Because I want to close with a segment I call closing arguments is it going to be long and complicated it is going to be long and complicated so i want you to get can you tell me what it's going to be about hell no we'll find out Uh, okay let me just go through my list then um uh there's going to be a whips there's going to be a battle in the whip in house whips race between um congressman banks congressman emmer and congressman ferguson um None of us is going to be involved in that election because none of us is sitting in the United States House of Representatives or would be a, a, a representative elect when this vote happens in the, I think, 14th or 15th of November. Um, all of us should have preferences, probably for the guy from Indiana. Um, can I put some context on that? Can I stop you? No. Okay. They're accelerating. They always do this. They have these elections as early as possible after the election so that the incumbents have an advantage, right? Yep. The second thing is, is that for those not familiar with leadership elections, and I've been uh, involved in a couple of them, yeah. it is literally the equivalent of a high school uh, high school election. I explain it as a fraternity president election. Yeah, similar. You know, similar. basically, basically similar. a bunch of white guys yeah. get in a room and decide, yeah, okay, that guy. Right. So um, you, it is no more complicated than. You know, and a popularity imp- contest and who gave what to who and, and everything else. The important thing about this is, and, and this is this is the tricky part because I've been asked to write about it. The important thing about it is if you're not one of the voters, your opinion means nothing. You, you might as well just sit still and be quiet. Um, so anyway, that's one. Um, uh, two is, uh, and this is going to be controversial, I don't care, go Phillies, beat the cheating Astros. Um Okay, as, as much as it pains me, I'm in agreement with that. The Giants, New York football Giants, 
are five and two going into their bye week. I just want to point out that that is the same record as the Buffalo Bills. Mm-mm. Five and two? Six and one, baby. Damn it. Okay, well, they're only one game behind the Bills, which you said at the and beginning the of the season. And the Jets are, I believe, they're five and two. Five and two. Okay, yeah, so yeah, and the Jets, the Bills are playing this the, weekend. Yeah, nobody so. cares about the Jets. They're going to lose. The, oh. the Jets are football's equivalent of the Mets. Some bats going to happen at some point. Um, so that's thing, whatever it is, three. Thing four, I want to congratulate the Chamber of Commerce for endorsing a bunch of Democratic members, including Milt Pappas, who's going to lose his race up in New Hampshire, and Abigail Spanberger, who's probably going to lose her race in the Virginia 7th, um, and neither of whom ever voted a single time for the chamber. So I have no earthly idea why they endorse them this time. Wow, just wow. Like, are they trying to destroy them, the, destroy their the, themselves as an institution? Neil Bradley, come on this show, please. We want to talk to you about a couple of things. We have, you, we have a couple of things we need you to- You have a standing invitation, Neil. Come yeah, on or into whoever's the... running that thing now. Suzanne Clark, right? Isn't that the person in charge? Um, so that's that. I got one last one. Um, there was an article in Politico recently about what the Republicans are going to do with respect to energy if they take over the House um, and the Senate. The sources outlined in that story would be the very last people who would have any idea what the Republicans would do. I encourage you all to look it up. We're going to probably put it in show notes. Um, it included Kevin Senator Kevin Kramer saying that it's going to be very difficult to revisit any portion of the tax credits that were given away in the Inflation Act, because once the money starts flowing and goes to districts, he didn't say it this way, but he meant it this way, Republicans become part of the problem, not part of the solution. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I, we got to clear out the barn, Mike, I've don't got forget. To, so. I've got to, we'll talk about the debt ceiling <clears throat> next, next week. Um, I got to, I got to believe, I got to hope that Senator Kramer is wrong, but I don't know, he might be right. Anyway, that's it for me. What do you got? All right. Uh, this is a little segment I like to call Closing Arguments. Yeah, man. We are six days out Yo. from the most consequential election uh, in our lifetimes. <laughs> so I just wanted to do some contrast on a few key races. We've been talking about some sleepers and whatnot. Uh, the vernacular, is that the right word uh, for, for this, is the sort of the closing statement for each campaign. The colloquial. Like the last commercial, the sort of the one they want to leave you with, yep. right? Okay. This first one is interesting. I'll play it. You tell me who you think it is. Scotty has never seen our children. A price I was honored to pay. Today, too many families are having to sacrifice, and I fear we are losing our country. Life is unaffordable in our communities less safe. We need change. That's why my hero, Tiffany Smiley, is running for Senate. I won't stop fighting until we leave our children in America worth giving their eyesight for. You got this. With your help, we will. I'm Tiffany Smiley, and I approve this message. Yeah, can I say something about that real quick? I see two things real quick about that. You can say anything you want. This is America, yeah. and this is the unregulated podcast. Yeah. This is a lousy business we're in, and it's full of terrible people. But every once in a while, you get a chance to do something good, something useful, and help somebody who needs the help, right? And, and I had the opportunity to, to help Tiffany like at the beginning of the campaign and towards the, you know, towards the latter third of the campaign. And I was really happy to be able to do both. She's a 
quality, quality human She being. crushed. So is her husband. She crushed Patty Murray on Patty. the debate stage. They, they were, they, the contrast couldn't have been any clearer yeah. that what she has going against her is the, the yeah, god-awful yeah, blueness yeah, of, yeah, of, of the state. Of Washington. Yeah, yeah, Patty Murray. All, She's done. All, She's washed up. All two foot four of her, the shell of a human being as she is now. It, it's sad. Oh, she should have quit. But Tiffany is a person who is worth watching. If she wins, she'll be a great senator. If she doesn't win, she'll be a great something else. That's that's thing one. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is a really funny moment in our first conversation. I said, hey, you know, why are you running? And she went through a long laundry list of things, and then she came to the end of it, and she gave a long re- she gave a bunch of reasons why Patty Murray isn't running. And she said, "I get that a lot. Like, why am I running?" And I said, "Well, it sounds to me like you should turn that around on people and ask them. You know, the question isn't why I'm running. The question is why, why is she Patty running? Murray running. Right? And she started to ask that on the she 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 started to ask that immediately out on the out Good. on the hustings. Look at you, campaign strategist." Yeah, it's not my first rodeo. <laughs> anyway, right. sorry. I mean, I, but, so that was, but, but it, look, Tiffany I, Smiley I, running I, I, against Patty Murray I, I, in the state thing, of Washington. Closing argument on Tiffany. It's just this country creates human beings like her and Scotty, and I don't know where they come from. Rise to the I'm, moment, but, but gamers. God Almighty, I'm glad. I'm glad that they're there. Just, I, I, just, just, if there's a, we talked about this months ago as being the sleeper. If there's a race that next week that I want to see be yeah, the upset, yes, that's the one. Yes, I, I. You know what? When you get wrapped up in something, you 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 don't want to hope because it's too painful. Right, but you're right, hoping. Right. Anyway. All right. Here's another one. Yo. Two years ago, our border was secure. Our economy worked. Now our border is wide open. We've got high prices and violent crime. Why? Because Mark Kelly just votes for Joe Biden's agenda every time. Catherine and I grew up here. We're sick of seeing things go in the wrong direction. If you agree we need a change, send me to the U.S. Senate. I'll put Arizona families first. I'm Blake Masters, and I approve this message. Golly, thank God, finally. And the visual was solid. Of course it is. Solid. The, The problem with Blake has never been the visuals or anything else. The problem has always been, dude... Inflation, crime, the border. Right. Just, you know, just don't, just that, you should wake up just saying those three words. Inflation, crime, forward, the border. That's it. Don't, don't, go. Okay. Should we move on? Let's go. Next one. Don't vote for smart people. It never turns out Next one. So Victoria Affitt had been arrested 10 times. Five of those were uh, either assaults or assault with a weapon. That woman was... (laughs) She was like a time bomb, a ticking time bomb. Uh, she was released on a no bail uh, recognizance. If Kathy Hulk were right here, I would tell her the story of what happened to my aunt and how brutal it was. I hold her responsible. Kathy Hulk let my family down. We need a governor who's going to do the right thing. We need Lee Zeldin. We would be much safer with Lee Zeldin. Second, I would not want anybody to go through what we went through. Lee Zeldin, right? Um, Another one where you want to hope, right? You You just want to hope, especially for April and the whole family up there in Buffalo. You know, I mean, I did, I did, you know, I did work with Lee at the beginning of the campaign. I've done it here at the end. He's just such a good guy. He's such a normal guy. Somebody asked me, well, what's he like? Uh, he's like a normal guy. He's going to be a great governor. 
just get it over the hump, man. It's just, just, just give him a chance. I think he'd be a great governor. All right, I got a couple more here, and then I want to do some contrast. So I told you this would be a long segment, That's but okay. I couldn't figure out how to shorten it. Sweet and to the point, high, high, high visual content. So you got to watch it on that. We'll put it in the show notes. It's the best use of music in an ad I've seen probably in 20 years. It it understated and the the song, right, is beautiful and nobody ever really uses it. Right. But it's just spectacular. And and the visual on top of it, the song itself is in the minor key, but but the visual is full of energy. It's really the emotive energy. It's really the emotive engine. The music is the emotive engine of the right. commercial. It's well, great. DeSantis is just his team is really gonna, good. Well, here's the thing. They're they're I'm not gonna jinx this, but I think they're going for double digits in the state of Florida. Oh, he's gonna win with at least twelve or fifteen points. Hell, he spent the last ten days pounding around <laughs> up in New York and plays. He's like, Screw, I got so, this thing in the back. I you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say that well, I'm not gonna say. Anyway, what are All right, next? so I got uh, I've got one from Governor Tony Ivers of Wisconsin. Yeah, here we go. Governor, I'll always try to do the right thing. I've worked with Republicans and Democrats to improve our public schools, cut income taxes for most families, fix our roads, and put our state on solid financial footing. But here's what I won't do. I won't cut funding from our kids' public schools. I won't cut funding from our police. And I'll never stop searching for good ideas from both parties to improve Wisconsin. I'm Tony Evers, and I'm asking for your vote. That is, I, I search and I search and I search, and, and I play this one specifically because this is the single most positive ad that any of the major Democrats ran for their closing argument. True. And did you notice what he's not going to do? He's not going to defund the police, right? He's he's going to work with Republicans. That's what I noticed. He was going to work with Republicans. That is exactly where we are in this race, right? Oh, yeah. Tony's dead. He's a dead the, man walking. The, the Ryan ad was him sitting at a bar, like, playing nothing but negative ads yeah. against J.D. Vance. Yeah. The Fetterman ad was o- uh, almost a mirror image of it. Sure. They have nothing to run on. Well, they have lots to run on. They could run on the Inflation Act. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot. So anyway, those were my uh, sort of those were the closing yeah. campaign ads that I that caught my eye and and I thought uh, that our folks would would enjoy listening to. And of course, you will be able to watch them if you go to the show notes for this episode of 
the Unregulated Podcast. Now, where's Biden going to be this week? The final week of the campaign. I know he. According to communications director Kate Bedingfield, Biden will be traveling to the hotbed states of New Mexico, California, Illinois, and Maryland. Um. Well, New Mexico's still got a live race. Okay. On the governor's but, side. Okay. We still got a live sure, race, right? Ronchetti. But... Ronchetti is gonna beat Grisham, but it's gonna be damn close. And and I'm sure that's what they're thinking. We can we can turn out somebody. Okay, but explain California, Illinois, and Maryland for me. It's then. the only place he's safe to go. <laughs> Nobody else wants to stand next to him. Wow. Well, it's true. I mean, last week he was in Florida, for God's sake. I don't think I don't think Chris like, hey, this is gonna save me. But he's not but he's not um he's not done talking hold on fix that but he's got one more stop tonight oh brother this is in the district of columbia you know the thing this is from axios literally as we were walking in here well they announced it just this this morning this morning at the axios function with with biden set to deliver major speech on democracy president biden this evening say where is set to deliver a speech at Union Station with the homeless in dudes. the Capitol Hill neighborhood on democracy, where he will make clear what's at stake in the midterm elections. Here's a quote from his deputy chief of staff. You can expect to hear him from him this evening. There is a lot at stake, including democracy, and that everyone has a role in that. The other thing that will be really important, people will be able to vote. Democracy works to make sure every vote is counted. Because on January 6th, we saw violence geared towards subverting the democratic process. It's an appropriate place to make these remarks tonight. Okay. Now, for those of you who don't live in Washington, D.C., we noticed something interesting this morning. And it was like a, hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 The towing, yeah. What did they do this morning at Union Station? Yeah, so I'm walking, so I'm running. I, I, I went out for my, for my long morning run, right? And they're, they're, um towing everybody out of spaces on the hill they cleared which which they never do towing what else did they do they cleared the tents yeah they cleared the tents the whole the grounds in front of union yeah, station yeah, yeah. looks they, and, and like and it, by 11 o'clock this morning when i came back through they had already started blocking off roads and i'm i'm walking around going what the hell is going on here and that's what's going on they literally are sweeping the mess that is washington dc away I like you asked the good question. Who's covering this tonight? Honest to God, you know the networks, MSNBC, CNN. Who else? Yeah, that's it. I mean, the, the networks. The networks kind of have a standing. I don't want to say rule, but it's a standing rule of thumb that they don't do this within thirty days of an election. It is insane to me unless how desperate like, and uh, ridiculous that they've gotten, well, and they you know, think look, this is gonna. Uh, do, do one other thing. There's one other thing we're thinking about on this. So when you do polling, I know we're I know we're trying to get out of here. When, when when you do polling on this threat to democracy stuff, really, what about two thirds of the voters who say that mean and have met now for like a generation and a half is. They mean the garden variety corruption that you and me take take for granted in this town, right? The 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 pay for play, the you give congressmen money and then you take a you know they take a meeting with you that kind of stuff, right? They don't mean this this January sixth stuff. They mean something else entirely. This, this party is starting to lose its mind. I mean, and you know what? I would like to say that this beating they're heading into 
is going to like alter the trajectory. It might harden them. It's going to harden them. Not might. It's gonna because yeah. the other look, here's the. And it's going to get worse. We're going to wind up with 230, between 230 and 235 members of the House. We're going to wind up with 53 to 55 senators. And we're going to go plus three or four in the governorships, too. It's going to harden them because the only other choice is to acknowledge that they're wrong. And, yeah. that, you know, you think, have these guys ever said they're wrong in two years now? Well, I mean, when has a politician ever said they were wrong? And that, to me, is part of the problem. Not I doubt. think we would give them a a lot more of a leash uh, if they just owned it, right? I made a mistake. I made a mistake. I made a mistake. It's that simple. Even during Afghanistan, he never got up and said he made a mistake. That's right. Anyway. So. Uh, I'm looking yeah, forward I'm, to this speech. I'm blown away. I'm blown away uh, by this. Oh, come on. I, you got to like It even this. surprised me. And, and our, um, not our friend, but uh, a, a gentleman by the name of David Axelrod <laughs> had this to say. Issues of democracy are hugely important at this moment and in next week's election. Totally appropriate for POTUS to address them. Still, as a matter of practical politics, I doubt many D's in marginal races are eager for him to be on TV tonight. So, uh, hey, what you know did what you I, say I, I, earlier? I, I, who who do we want to swap? <laughs> Yeah. You want to say it or not? I know I say it right now. I, <laughs> I would, speaking for most Republicans and certainly all Trump people, I would swap. Um, I will. I will trade a straight up trade with no players to be named later. Maybe some cash on our side. Um, Carl Rove for David Axelrod in a heartbeat. Heartbeat. He's, heartbeat. he's just. He's a lot more fun, and he's a lot easier to digest than than the guy who like pomps yeah. at you all the time, like like Rove. I will yeah, say. I mean, this, he was a little hedgy on this. He had to be, but his point was was very. Oh, well of course made. it was. I right. will say this about Axelrod, right, and about what he's saying here. He's worried the president's going to give a speech calling us all fascists again. Which is, of course, going to drive He's turnout for, for the Republicans. I don't think it'll be avoidable because, I, again, I go back to this. He can't resist. No, his speechwriters uh, are in yeah. Twitter land, like yeah. Yeah. for at least a few more weeks until you know Man. they they get maddenly you know met, met, they get annoyed at at Elon or whatever. And take their take their toys elsewhere. But yeah, that's a good that's good insight, right? They 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 drink that. None of them. They don't understand. That none of them live in America. They live in Twitter. Okay, so um, that's it. That's the closing argument. By the time this will be the last episode of the Unregulated Podcast before Ever. the Ever. most important election in our lifetime. Right. And we'll go back and, and see how we did in terms we, of the can, predictions. Can we say our most recent, most important? <laughs> um, I'm just going to tell you right now, I got all my predictions right. So okay. let's just have that. I. I like it. I I'm like that telling, confidence. I'm just telling you, man. It's it's. And by the way, they were right in middle September when I gave them too. Right on. You're welcome. A lot of humility here. Uh, uh, I know nothing about podcast. nothing, but on this stuff, come on, man. It's not complicated. Come on, man. No joke. It's no joke. Speaking of no jokes, but the future of labor was in the future. The way 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 the future <laughs> had to close with Howard Hughes, right? <laughs> Biden did. <laughs> Peace out, everyone. Don't forget to vote if you already haven't. Vote early, vote often. Namaste. Hey.